we've, we've been involved in a study called Engage, and we've talked about the reality that that begins as we have a relationship with God through faith. Jesus told us we must be born again, and as we're born again, not only do we as individuals connect with God in that sense in a relationship, but as the family of faith, we connect with one another. So if we want to engage in a life that is lived together with God, it begins as we connect. And then we talk about the value of communication. It's absolutely imperative that we come to understand in our lives how to communicate with one another. And, and the Bible has so much to say about healthy habits of communication. We went on to talk about contribution, all of us pitching in, many hands making light the work, and the body of Christ is to serve with one another in that way. And then last week we talked about the importance of commitment. And uh, if the winds of adversity blow someone away, you've, you've got to wonder if there was that heart of commitment to engage in a life that is lived together with God. And uh, as we think of these thoughts, I want you to understand that, that the scriptures share with us that people of faith have been designed by God to serve as a body, as a body. The local church, the New Testament church that we read of in scriptures is, is, is a group of individuals brought together by God to fulfill his purpose. In Romans 12 and verse 5, the Bible says this, so we being many are one body in Christ and everyone members one of another. And so today I say, we being many in this room, we're one body. We're to be one body. We're to live together with God. We're to engage in life and ministry together with God. And the Bible says, and everyone members one of another. The Bible throughout the New Testament tells us that we're to be a part of a local church, that we're to serve with one another and love one another and help one another. And, and so I want to commend you today for being in this place that we call a church. But there's more to it than just being in a building on a weekly basis that we call a church. I've done my best to share the truths in this study from God's Word, but to make them personal to our church family and to our experience. And, and over the years, I want to say this, Coastline, we've been blessed of God. And I say that to no glory of our own. I say that to the glory of God. He has been good to us. Can somebody say amen to that? God has been good to us. Now, by no means have we arrived. I'm not suggesting we have uh, no areas in which we need to grow and do better. Of course, I understand all of that. I just want to say God has been so very good to us. And I'm very grateful that if you were to peel the layers, the veneer off of coastline, if you were to get down to the core, you'd find a group of families that love Jesus Christ. They love one another. They've decided to be here. They're connecting through relationship with God. They're communicating. They're uh, uh, communicating rather. They're contributing. They're, they're committed. They're, they're in it together. I'm grateful that at the core of this church is a group of people who understand that being a part of a church family is more than warming a seat for one hour on a Sunday morning. Now, I don't want to denigrate the value of being here on a Sunday morning. It's important, but I want you to know what makes this church happen is that group of people that understands there's a whole lot more to being a part of the family of God than simply uh, coming to a church service. I'm thankful for those who consider this their family of faith their church home. You see, the Bible in Hebrews 10 tells us this is the place where we provoke one another to love and to good works. I want our church to understand this statement. A healthy church is one in which the family of faith works together with God to advance His agenda in our world. That's how we'll know when we're faithful, when we view this body as a group that is to do life together with God and we're concerned with His agenda happening in our lives and in our world. And having said that today, by way of introduction into what we're going to be talking about, uh, in every church, 
there are times where people say goodbye in every church. There are times where people say goodbye. Sometimes people move away. And we all understand what that's all about. There, there are times, frankly, when, when God directs people to serve in another area. And, and I understand that. Now, I have to confess to you today, as a pastor, uh, I don't like it when people say goodbye. I, I, I come to like people and care for people. And when people go away, I miss them just like you do. And, and uh, I, I'm not always thrilled when people uh, say goodbye. But I've come to understand that's the way it is. And I've got to let God be God. And, and we all understand how that goes. There, there comes a time in, in folks' lives on occasion where they say goodbye because God's moved them or there's another area of ministry for them. But there's another group of people that I often think about And it's the group of people who have their last Sunday at their church home, not because they've moved or God has moved them into another area of ministry, but because they've simply disengaged. They're no longer living life together with God. They've they've willfully disengaged. Now, I'm not saying that they're not a believer anymore if they were in the first place. And and these people, when you talk to them many times, they're not coming to the conclusion that they no longer want to have a a relationship with God. They believe in God. They've just disengaged from the family of faith. Students of churches say that about 10% of churches every year, the average church, about 10%, moves away by what they call reversion. Just stop coming. They just stopped coming. And I've often wondered why. Why would that be the case? And and I came across an article a while back, and when I read the title, I thought, I'm going to read that article. The title of it was The Main Reason People Leave a Church. And and the author began to develop a a kind of a philosophy as to why people leave, and he surveyed a large number of of people who were engaging uh, in in church life. They stopped coming, again, not, not stopping their belief in God, as they said, but they just stopped Enjoying fellowship with a family of faith. And the author uh, didn't give uh, A, B, C, or D type of answers to the questions. They were able to put their responses. And, and yet he boiled some of the responses that people broke down into the most popular reasons. And so if you're looking for a reason to stop coming to church today, listen very carefully. I may have a good one for you, okay? These were the top reasons people stopped connecting or engaging with the family of faith. First of all, the worship leader refused to listen to me about the songs and music I wanted. That's a direct quote. Another one said this, the pastor didn't feed me. Here's the third one. No one from the church visited me. Another one said this, I was not about to support the building program they wanted. Another one said this, I was was out two weeks and nobody visited me. Here was one that wasn't surprising to me. It said they changed their times of worship. And uh, that was a a big one apparently. And, And then finally there was one that said this, I told the pastor to visit my cousin and he never did. Now listen, I want you all to understand something. You have every right to expect a level of involvement and connection and ministry from your church family. I get that. And, and I want our church family to have expectations that we're going to live out our Christian faith in, in one another's lives. But you know, as I went through that list, here's what I discovered. I discovered that many times those decisions that lead to people disengaging from the family of faith, they're not always based on how we can contribute to the lives of others, but how my needs are being met. Many times those who leave a church seem to have the mindset at one point that this church exists to meet when it's a convenient time for me to say things I want to hear, to sing only the songs I want to sing. It's all about me, me, me. And sometimes when we come into a church with the it's all about me instead of we mindset, we can get disappointed along the way. We can disengage and, and cease living the life that is lived together 
with God. Think of that. Many times the expectation of a church is that the church is to be a place that serves us. And I'm here to tell you today, the New Testament absolutely says this church is a place where to come together to serve one another. To meet one another's needs and to reach the lost. And so for a final study in this series, I want to tackle this matter of engaging in a life together with God through cooperation. Through cooperation. And if you're able today, I'd like to invite you to join me in standing if you would. We're going to look to John chapter 15. John chapter 15 is where we'll be. And we come to a passage where Jesus was preparing his disciples for the time in which he would be leaving. He would be departing. This was a very serious time. These words we're going to read today are read if you have a red letter Bible. Now, all of the Bible is the word of God, but these red words are specifically the words of Jesus Christ. And so we're reading some very important words. Jesus is trying to stir the hearts of his followers. And and so he's laying out some principles here. And I want us to look to John 15. The Bible says this beginning in verse 9. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. Now, again, I'm going to read on what's happening here. Jesus, speaking to the disciples, said this to them. Now, you keep in mind, he knows the cross is right around the corner. And he tells his disciples, you've seen the Father loving me, and that's how I've loved you. Now I want you to love one another that way. All right? Now, let's look on. The Bible says this. If you keep my commandments... You shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, the Bible says, that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I've loved you. Or in other words, he says, love one another like I've loved you, as you've seen me loving you. Verse 13, greater love hath no man than this that a man lay down his life for his friends. You're my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth, I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. You have not chosen me. I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. These things I command you, that you love one another. I want you to go back near the end of verse 10, if you would. And, and listen to the, the words here, and we're going to see how this really is a theme of the text. The final words in verse 10 says this, abide in his love. Abide in his love. All right. Now, how many of you today would admit I have at least a little bit yet to learn in life? I haven't learned at all. Any of you like me today, you got something to learn? All right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do my very best today to be a teacher of, of the truth, and I hope you'll do your best. I'm going to ask everybody to do something today, okay? A little, little kind of restless, just pockets of noise. If you're sitting next to a baby that might cry, be very sensitive to that. If you've got a child that's wiggly, either take them out as we're praying or, or sit on top of them. Uh, if you've got a cell phone, turn it off. And uh, an alarm clock on your watch, turn it off. Look, let's engage in this study. And here, here's my prayer, that as we leave, when you said you have a little room yet to grow, my prayer is that based on what we do today, uh, that room yet to grow would just ever so slightly maybe be decreased because we've, we've learned together today. And that this time is very important. And so let's give our heart to it and enter into this study with all of our, our hearts and minds for the Lord. Our Father, we're grateful today that you are a loving God. And I do pray that you'll use this service, open hearts, 
uh, and I pray that we'll, we'll learn and grow and serve and, and do what you tell us to do. We pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. God's creative work is, is absolutely an amazing thing. Now, many times when we think of God's creative work, we think of the great big things. You know, we think of the Grand Canyon. We think of the Rocky Mountains. We think of some great, big, grandiose thing, and we look to that to say, man, look at the power of God. But sometimes the power of God can be seen in the very smallest of things. I was reading recently about bees, and bees are pretty amazing creatures. They're not large, but, but really, if you were to take time just to look at a bee, you can see the creative power of God. Bees are related to ants. They're not ants. They have two sets of wings. They can fly. We know that bees are interesting creatures. They've got fuzzy legs, and they've got a long proboscis, a long tongue, and that's what they lick the pollen with and take it around and around. And maybe you didn't know this, but male bees have antennas that are comprised of 13 segments, and girl bees have antennas that are comprised of 12 segments. That's how you can tell them apart. Abide in his love. We're to engage in a life that's lived course of living together with God. As we are here in the context of a local church family, I want you to know this. There are going to come times and moments and seasons where there's going to be some disagreements and maybe one person can get crabby with another person. And, and I want you to know that Jesus here isn't telling us in this passage to love the lovable. In fact, he tells us this in Matthew 5 and verse 46. He said, if you love them which love you, what reward have you? He said, if you only love people that are lovable, really, what's the big deal? You haven't really done much at all. If we're going to love like Jesus, we will then love others as he has loved us. And I want to think about his love today. And we could talk about his love for an hour and a half and just be scratching the surface. We're not going to do that. But just quickly, what do we know about the love of Jesus? First of all, we know his love is unlimited. It's an unlimited love. 2 Thessalonians 2 and verse 16 says this, Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace. I want you to know something. There's no limits to the love of Jesus Christ. His love is also unconditional. He's unconditional. I want you to know this. Jesus never tells us, he never communicates to us, you get your life squared away, you shape up, you, you stop doing this and start doing that, and then, and only then, will I love you. Understand this today. God loves you, wait for it, with no strings attached. That's the way God loves he doesn't have pre-qualifying terms when it comes to his love. He, he doesn't tell you you need to get into church and you need to give this offering. Now listen, I'm all for doing the things God has told us to do, but I'm just telling you the kind of God he is. He's loved us with an everlasting love, the Bible tells us in Jeremiah 31 and verse 3. The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. It's unlimited, it's unconditional, his love is unending. In each of the previous verses we've read, we discovered that, that the love of God is, is an everlasting love and it will never stop. Now imagine the impact on the relationships in our lives if we determined that God was so good that we wanted to be good to others. Imagine if we decided, listen, I want to love the way the Father loved the Son and the Son loved His followers and I want that love to then be through me to others. Shortly after Lisa and I were married, we went to a, a couple seminar and and uh, the speaker was, was talking about the need to have co- commitments that were firmly established and they, they weren't just kind of vaguely there but firmly understood. And he, he said so many different things. And frankly, we thought a lot of it was silly. We were still newlyweds. We hadn't been through any storms in life. We didn't really understand the value of having a storm shelter, so to speak. It was just all sunshiny skies. And he said, listen, you need to 
just divorce isn't a word you guys are going to go to in tough times. He's saying all these things. And, and uh, he actually had an exercise where he wanted all these couples to uh, share with one another. Look, until death do us part. He wasn't advocating murder either, okay? Just letting, letting them know, hey, I'm not going anywhere. I'm here. And we made these commitments. I want you to know the level of security that existed in our lives when we finally go, did go through some stormy times, as we all do. Just knowing that there were, there were decisions that had been made. There was a love that was real. We had decided we were going to love not the way I deserve to be loved in any situation because I can be as unlovable as you can. Or the same for uh, my my wife. We decided we want to love like Jesus loved. That's the kind of love that changes families. It changes a church. It can change a community. Just imagine a church family where people knew in their hearts that times would come where they were going to be disagreeing with one another. But they had predetermined, they had already decided, you know, we're going to handle this with grace and mercy and love. Coastline, I'm saying it's inevitable in the course of time, something's going to come up where we're going to get sideways with another brother or sister in Christ. And, and, and the world and the devil are going to say, disengage, disengage. And God says, no, engage, cooperate. We're to work together. When, when, when we engage together with God like, like that, a power emerges that makes a difference. Jesus said, this is my commandment that you love one another. You know, like I've loved you. We've got to love like Jesus. But as we move on today, I want us to see we need to lead like Jesus. We need to lead like Jesus. Now, I I know there are times where love is quite emotional, but in the truest sense, that's not what love is. We know that emotions can come and and emotions can go. Um, For Jesus, really, love was this motivation that was stronger even than death itself. And from a heart of love, he provided leadership that literally changed the world. And if we want to make a difference in our lives... We've got to learn to lead like Jesus led. Let me tell you how Jesus did not lead. He didn't lead like the superficial prima donna guy in the corner office barking out orders to everybody else while he just sits there in his comfy chair and, and lets every, all the other minions do his bidding. That's not the way at all Jesus leads. He's just not that way. Jesus leads like this. Follow me. And then he leads the way. The Bible tells us that he's left his steps so that we could follow in them. Jesus is such a profoundly wise leader that he found the very best way to lead is by literally leading out front, not pushing from behind. You see, that's what a cowboy does, driving cattle. But Jesus said he's the the shepherd and he's out front leading the way. That's the way Jesus leads. Now, In verse 13, we find a key to longevity and cooperation. Jesus said this, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. That's what Jesus said. Greater love hath no man than this, than that a man lay down his life for his friends. That's what Jesus said. Let's look what Jesus did. The Bible goes on to tell us this, No man taketh it from me. This is what Jesus said of his life. He said, no man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. Because I have the power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. Jesus taught us there's no greater love than the love that is laid down for a friend. Jesus said, when it came to my life, I laid it down. As we continue on in the gospel records, we read these words. Uh, from, from John, hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us. Now, we're going to read on. Hereby we perceive the love of God. We perceive it. We see it. We understand it. This is how we know of the love of God. How? He laid down his life for us. And on the basis of what Jesus has done for us, we ought to lay down our lives 
for the brethren. Friends, I want you to know when it comes to a local church family, God is telling us this. This is not the place where we come to get our felt needs met and have everybody serve us and and let everybody be a codependent to us. We're to come to this place so that we, through love for God and love for one another, can make an impact in this world. God is calling on us to expend our lives to meet the needs of others. Now, you know what's interesting to me about guys in, in particular if I were to have all the, all the husbands in here today, in fact, if you're a husband real quick, just raise your hand. Good, good, good. A lot of you guys. All right, very good. Now, if I were to ask the husbands in here, hey, how many of you, if you saw your wife being mugged and you, you saw that, you'd run over there and intervene? The guys would be like, oh, you better believe I would, you know. Breaking out in sudden and death and going to get in, in the middle of this thing. And, and oh, so you would defend your wife. Oh, yeah, I would defend my wife. What if the, the criminal had a gun? And you're thinking, well, what, 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 what caliber is this gun, you know? No, you're saying, I don't care what caliber that gun is. It's on like Donkey Kong. I'm in the middle of that. It's happening. You're not going to mess with my wife. I'm going to be there. So I could clarify. Let let me get this straight. You're telling me you take a bullet for your wife? Yes. You're saying you'd lay down your life for your wife? Yes. I would give my my life for my wife. And then I want to ask this question. Then why won't you take the trash out for your wife? I think if this could all happen in one felled swoop, it would just be great. But the reality is we, we expend our lives usually not in one magnanimous moment where we just give ourselves, but incrementally. Jesus is telling us that leadership in the family of faith is to be characterized by great generosity. I want to ask you a question you don't answer out loud, you answer in your heart. Are you an exceedingly, exceptionally generous Christian? Because the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 8, he said, I speak not by commandment, but by the occasion of the forwardness of others and to prove the sincerity of your love. Here's what the Apostle Paul said. Your giving proves that you have an authentic, sincere, real, genuine love. I read a story about a church recently, and I like to read stories about churches. The story I read of this church told of a pastor who stood up, and in the course of his announcements that day, he just made a passing reference to the needs of a local homeless shelter. They had a need for some shoes, and it was a passing announcement, and he moved on, and and that was the end of that. They went through the service, and at the end of their service, they had the Lord's Supper. And if you've ever been a part of the Lord's Supper here, uh, you, you know that uh, kind of like how we do our offering, the ushers come and we have the, the bread and the cup and they'll walk back and pass it out to everybody, serving everybody. And, and uh, this church did it a little differently. They had everybody come to the front and get the, the elements of the Lord's Supper. And the Bible doesn't really say how to do it. You're free to do it the way you'd like to in that regard. And that's just how this church did it. And, and so they had their, their service that day. They had the announcements and the preaching and now it's time for the Lord's Supper. And, and uh, as the first man came to receive the Lord's Supper that day, he did the strangest thing. Before walking to the center, he walked over to the side and, and he, he took his shoes off. And he just set them there on the steps. You see, he'd heard earlier that there was a homeless shelter that had a need and Shoes were the need, and if you could help in any way, do so. And, and this man came and took his shoes off and set them there. And the second person did the same thing. And the third person did the same thing. 1,600 people that Sunday walked to their cars with no shoes on because they heard of the need, decided to cooperate with one another, and they made a difference. They had the kind of love that said, you know something, I'm going to get involved, I'm going to do something 
That's Christ-like leadership when you see the need and, and take the lead. When we cooperate like that, miracles can happen. But I want us also to see here today that we need to learn to listen like Jesus. We need to listen. As we make our way into verse 14, listen to what Jesus says here. He said, you are my friends. Now just stop right there. Jesus says, you are my friends. If you do whatsoever I've commanded you. Now, I always like to clarify here. Jesus is not saying, I'll be your friend if you do everything I say. His friendship is established. Jesus is saying, if you want to express your friendship to me, here's how it's done. By doing whatsoever I've commanded you. That's just the way it works. Uh, His friendship to us is a settled matter. We are to obey him. Now, if I counted correctly, just in those few verses we read together today, the, the word command in all its forms is used about five times. And that's because his commands are important. In fact, we cannot cooperate without his commands. How can, how can this many people agree on anything? We, we have to find the value in the commands of God because it's not my way or your way or the highway. A church only succeeds as we say it's his way. It's his way. Um, I like a lot of things about life. One of my favorite things about life is being a dad. And in the life of a dad, there are some great days and there are some harder days. There are some days that are harder than others. And I recently had a day that was harder than others had been. It's a difficult day. And uh, Julie, my youngest daughter, I had to take her down to the DMV, you know. You know what that means. Let's look at Julie real quick. There she is, okay. Took the test. Get, be, drivers, beware, Okay. She's on the road, and she's like this, and in my heart, I'm like this, and I'm happy for her, but man, it's hard. Take it down. I'm feeling sad already again, okay? But you know, that's, that's something that, that'll make your dad sad, and, and she had to take the written test, and she had to take the drive, driving test, and, but you know, before she could pass the written test, she had to become aware of what the manual said. She, she, in other words, could not obey the laws until she came to understand the laws. And there's no way as a church we can fellowship together with continuity if we don't have a basis for our agreement. And, and, and that's where we can have real cooperation if we live together with God is to understand the commands of God. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said here. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us, speaking to people of faith, let us walk by the same Rule. Let us mind the same thing. The same rule that we're all to walk by that allows us to cooperate is the word of God. There's one rule, God's rule, his word, listening to the word of God, listening to Jesus and and learning from him will allow us to change a life and a church and a community and, and, and on and on it goes. We've got to listen like Jesus. But I want us to see finally today we need to live like Jesus. Now, again, let's not miss the importance of this moment. Sometimes this Sunday is called Palm Sunday. This was as tender a time as it could be. The heart of Jesus was heavy. At this moment, Judas is selling out Jesus. He just washed the disciples' feet. An amazing display of humility and service. And these are among the last words Jesus would share with his disciples this side of the cross. And and listen, listen to what Jesus said. And I want us to read these together. Jesus said this. He said, you have not chosen me, but I've chosen you. And I've ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit. And that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. Listen to what Jesus Christ, God the Son, said. He said, you haven't chosen me. 
I've chosen you. And I've ordained you that you should bring forth fruit. Think of that. What a profound passage. It's, it's hard to believe. It's hard to understand, but I accept it by faith. But once we wrap our mind around the, the greatness of His love, we have to understand that God has saved us for a purpose. He's ordained us or set us apart for a purpose. And He tells us here the purpose is that we would bring forth fruit. Let me tell you what God wants you to do with your life. Bring forth fruit. Now, we can wonder, all right, well, what exactly does that mean? Well, we could say perhaps it means the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, and on and on we could go, and I think that's a big part of it. But as you study the life of Jesus Christ, he talked a lot about fruit. In fact, he often likened humanity to a harvest field. That was an analogy Jesus loved to use of bringing in the, the, the harvest. And In fact, Jesus in John 4 and 35 said this, Say not ye there four months, and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the field's they're white already to harvest. Who is the fields in that case? They were people. Jesus said, bring in the crops. I, I want you to know, I believe in every sense of the word that Jesus was teaching his followers that we're to come together and we're to love to one another. We're to engage, engage in a relationship that shares a connection with God, communicating with one another, contributing to the cause, having a deep commitment, cooperating. Why? For the furtherance of the gospel because there's a world around us that is like crops that are ready to be harvested and we need to go and bring forth fruit. Jesus said you didn't choose me I chose you and I've ordained you I've set you apart to go and bring forth fruit and I believe it it, it pleases Jesus very much when local bodies like ours say let's work together to get the news out that Jesus is indeed alive and bring him to a place where they can hear the gospel message and that in every sense of the word is what a day like Easter Sunday has become in our culture now sometimes we talk about having churches that are designed to uh, reach people that are far from God or don't know God. And I want to have a church that's sensitive to those things. But as I read the Bible, the church is really a place where people of faith gather. But we know that in our culture, on Easter, there are people that are going to come to an Easter service who maybe haven't been since last Easter, okay? Maybe don't know the Lord. And today I'm a coach talking to the team saying, here's the game plan. When you leave today and you pass the table in the lobby with the thousands of, of tickets that we can use as invitations, pick some up. And you invite your friends and family and neighbors and coworkers, and, and I'll do the same. And next Sunday, we'll, we'll have them all come back together. And people will sing dynamic songs of praise, testifying to the greatness of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. And, and there, there will be uh, moments of, of, of drama and, and dialogue or monologue. And, and then I'll come, and in a, in a kind of a more brief period of time next week, due to the festivities of it all, I'm just going to share the gospel message and, and draw the net. And we're going to do everything we can. And if we're working together, we're going to make sure things are squared away in the nursery and the parking lot team is ready to go and the ushers are, are in their places and the greeters are happy and the media team, they're, they're uh, refreshed and, and, and ready to go. And, and we're all working together. Why? Because we didn't choose Jesus. He chose us. We would not know of our need were it not for him. Praise God that he let us know we were lost in need of a savior. He chose us and he ordained us. He set us apart so that we could bring forth fruit. And friends, I want you to know something. If we're coming to church just so we can strengthen our marriages and become better parents and learn financial principles that are going to help us to get ahead financially in life, if that's all it's about to you, you're missing the point of it all. The reason God wants our marriages to be strong and he wants us to be effective parents and he wants us to be good stewards is so that we can be good soldiers of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ because he left us with a commission. We're commissioned officers in the army of God. He said, go and bring forth fruit. And how we as Christians or churches can be content with a fruitless life, it does not jive with the doctrine of the New Testament of Jesus Christ. Bring forth fruit. 
And we're going to cooperate to that end. As we make our way into Resurrection Sunday. Jesus said basically this. I want you to do with your life what I've done with mine. Fulfill the will of the Father. Love other people. Particularly the brethren. And give your life for others. And he closed the words we're studying today by saying this. These things I command you that you love one another. Now listen, this breaks my heart. Here's Jesus Christ. The cross is just like, it's coming. Jesus, any, any final words you want to say here to your followers? Yes. Would you love each other? Love each other. You've got to love each other. He's emphatic on that. What kind of church makes an impact in their community? The kind that has members who share a connection through relationship with God. They communicate. They share life together. They share life together. They contribute, working together in that way. They're committed and they, and they cooperate. And that's the kind of church that brings forth fruit. I, I heard a story of Harry Houdini. I don't know if it's a true story. Someone today will run this through Snopes and you'll let me know. Okay, so I'll quantify it up front. I don't know if it's a true story. It was told to me as though it were true. Harry Houdini, the story says, had one occasion where he going to break out of a jail cell. He's led into the jail cell. The door was pulled closed, and he took a pen out of his belt and began to go to work on the lock of the door. They'd set a two-hour time limit, and at the end of two hours, he tried every trick he knew. He had put it in there and turned it and done everything he could think of, and at the end of two hours, he could not unlock the door. The sheriff came, and he's preparing to unlock the door to let Harry Houdini out and the story says that when he went to unlock the door he discovered that he had actually never locked the door so Harry Houdini's in there trying to unlock a door and he can't get it to unlock for one reason it was never it was never locked in the first place he struggled and he tried he done everything he could think of but there's just nothing that could be done to open that door it was already open and friends I want you to know when it comes to this matter of living the Christian life together with God there's just no mystery to it in that sense there's no mystery when it comes to touching a region with the gospel of Christ. Here how's it, here's how it works. Jesus told us to do it. He told us how to do it. And he told us to do it together with him. That's, that's how it works. And for that to happen, we have to cooperate with one another. We have to cooperate with one another. Would you all be so kind as to join me in standing at this time? Cooperate with one another. Fulfilling our role. D doing those things that would help the team to be more successful. I think God can help us in this way. Let's pray together this morning. Our Father, we're...